Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Just want to thank you for being a listener. Thank you for watching on YouTube. God bless you. And I just pray that uh, He pours out a blessing upon you as you draw closer to Him by listening to these podcasts and, and digging in God's Word and, and learning more about Jesus and learning more about the Holy Spirit as we're going to talk about today, the power unleashed in Acts chapter 2. And I just pray that God's power be unleashed in your life and, and that you, that God would use you to make a difference in his kingdom, to grow his kingdom, and that you could bear fruit and just pray that God would give you the boldness to do so, just like he did these apostles who were, you know, before the Holy Spirit falls on them in Acts chapter 2, they, they were they were filled with fear, they were nervous, they were scared, they were, you know, you know, act, you know denying Jesus and just walking down and out after Jesus had died and was uh, buried and they just thought their whole world had come apart and they just thought Jesus was the one and he was the one. And and they're about to see that just as Jesus had promised in John 14, that this is going to happen. And and so it, it in the beginning of Acts chapter, well, in Acts chapter one, Jesus is with the, the apostles on the Mount of Olives. And right before he ascends to heaven, he gives them a command. He says, wait on the promise of the Father. Now, he doesn't say, you know, go wait 10 days. Go wait a week. Or sometime by the end of the week, you're going to receive the promise of the Father. No, he didn't give them a timeline. He just said, go and wait. And so he ascends back into heaven, and they go back, and they do just like Jesus had commanded them to do. They, they wait. And so 10 days passes by. And since Jesus has ascended into heaven, and all of a sudden, a great noise of a mighty rushing wind fills the room, the house that they are staying in, and these flames, of, of these tongues of fire land on each and every one of them. And, and I just, you know, if you've ever been to the airport and, and listened to an airplane take off, or, you know, you, you can see or feel the power of those engines and you know especially if you've ever seen uh been to an air show or something or, or in, and seen the, the 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 fighter jets take off and and you just feel the power and 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 the roar of those engines and you just and hear that as they fly by and you feel the effects of that wind the, the i bet that doesn't even compare to the power of God when it filled this room and they 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 hear this sound of a mighty rushing wind coming from heaven and and these they see these tongues of fire landing upon them and they begin to to, to speak in other tongues and it, and it just wasn't a babbling it, it was literally languages that were known uh in that time and and were uh People had gathered from in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost to offer their first fruits to God. And they had picked up all these different languages from where they had been living outside of Jerusalem. And this, this speaking in tongues that the apostles were doing, as they were speaking in these tongues, the people who 
from all these different nationalities have gathered to Jerusalem. They are hearing their native language in their ears so they can understand the message that is being preached by these apostles when the, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. Now, the people, they hear this commotion and people start gathering around. And I mean, it, it has to be a lot of people. And we'll see that, uh, see why here in a little bit. And I'm talking like thousands of people. And they just keep gathering and gathering. And they, they notice something about these 12 men that, that, that they're dumbfounded when they see these what's going on because this is just, as, as the religious leaders deem them in Acts chapter 4, unlearned and ignorant men. It, it, these are ordinary, everyday people. They're, they're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're just people from all walks of life. And the power of God has fallen upon them. And they see this and they're just in awe. And they, they ask, what can this mean? And so right off the bat, you know, people, they try to get negative, which is what people do. And they try to accuse them of being drunk. And so Peter steps forward from the eleven. And he says, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for that. No, what you, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And so Peter begins to quote uh, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Remember what Jesus told the disciples back in John 16, verses 13 through 15? Here's what he said. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory to Me by telling you whatever He receives from Me. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from Me. Now, I can't recall any prof or any apostle, any disciple quoting Scripture I don't remember any disciple quoting psalm uh, or a, a proverb or anything from one of the prophets before this time. And here they are quoting the prophet Joel. And, and they're going to be quoting all kinds of scriptures. And we'll see here in just a little bit. But here Peter is quoting the prophet Joel who was sent to warn Israel about the coming judgment over five to six hundred years before this event happened at the Feast of Pentecost. And it's being fulfilled, it's being fulfilled right before their very eyes. And Peter says, No, we're not drunk. This is what's going on. It was predicted by or prophesied about by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter. Of course, Peter didn't say, hey, just turn to Joel chapter 2 because that didn't exist back then. You could turn to the book of Joel, the scroll of Joel, but you couldn't turn to, to chapter 2. That came long, not too long ago, actually. And so Peter begins to preach with such boldness, and he holds nothing back in verses 22 through 36. And here's what he says. And you've got to remember, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. He's giving him what to say, just like Jesus said he would do. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan. Now, if you go read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13, you will find out that the church, God had ordained this, or he had known before Adam and Eve ever took the first bite of that fruit, 
that he would have to sacrifice his son on a cross for the sins of us, the, the sinners. Before Adam and Eve ever took the first bite of that fruit, God knew that they would sin, that they would go against his word. They would go against his commands. That's what sin is. And he would have to make a sacrifice. And, and that's exactly what he did because when he came walking in the garden, the first thing God did was, after having this discussion with Adam and Eve, is he, he killed an animal and he took the skin of the animal and he made coverings for Adam and Eve. That was the very first sacrifice. And hundreds and thousands of years later, Jesus would die on the cross and be that final sacrifice. Uh, that Paul says he is our Passover lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. He nailed uh, our, our sins to the cross. And that's what Peter says to him. This is, he said, Peter says, God knew what would happen. And his, his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. Talk about the Romans. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, and he's going to quote Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11 here. He says, I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. This is what Peter's saying. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. You could go visit the tomb of David, and his body is there, you know, what's left of his body, his bones or whatever. But he was a prophet, Peter says, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. Now, did Jesus ever sit on the throne of David? No. He's sitting on God's throne. And this is, this is what really threw the Jews and the religious leaders for a loop because they were looking for this Messiah who would come and reign and literally sit on the throne of David physically and deliver Israel from this Roman oppression. And Jesus wasn't about that at all. He, 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 his kingdom was not of this world. It's, it was not an earthly kingdom. And, and so... They just didn't get it. And here's Peter saying through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking through Peter, he says, And he knew God had a promise, had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection, not a literal throne. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in a grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this, Peter says. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. He's in a place of authority and power. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended to heaven, yet he said, and so he's going to quote Psalm 110, uh, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone, Peter says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, Peter gave the facts, quoting scripture after scripture. And how was he able to do this? 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus said in John 14, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to say when the time comes. He's going to speak to you or speak to you and through you. He, he's going to hear from me and we're going to pass it on down to you and you're going to pass it on down to the listeners. That's what's going on. And so he takes uh, 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 what the Holy Spirit is saying and he shares it with the people and he lowers the boom on the listeners at the end and he says you even though you may not been in that crowd yelling crucify him even though you weren't a part of that mock trial uh, even though you didn't swing the literal hammer that drove the nails into jesus's hands into his feet you have crucified jesus and god has taken this jesus whom you crucified and made him both lord and messiah how were they guilty of crucifying Jesus? Well, the same way you and I are. And we'll talk about it when we come back from break. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry, and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk. And you get to be a part of this movement, too. I'll see you there. So how are these people that are hearing that they're, they're seeing what's going on, all this commotion, and they're hearing these apostles speaking in tongues and they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Oh, they must be drunk. No, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning. Here's what's going on. This is this is prophesied by the prophet Joel. And, and, and I'm going to preach this message to you. So Peter tells them about Jesus and how they have crucified Jesus. And this Jesus whom they crucified, God has made him both Lord and and Christ. So how are these people guilty of crucifying Jesus if they were not there when Jesus was crucified? They they were living elsewhere. They didn't have the hammer in their hand and beating the the nails and into Jesus' hands into his feet. The Roman soldiers did that. But Peter says you are guilty of crucifying Jesus. So my question is how are they guilty of crucifying Jesus? It's the same way you and I are both guilty of crucifying Jesus. And that's because our sin crucified Jesus. He had to die so that we could have a way to God. Because sin, our sin, separates us from God. Period. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, Paul says, You were dead because of your sins. Even though you're alive and walking around, Paul says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of, our, of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to 
the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, not, not one time, because if he had sinned one time, he couldn't have been our sacrifice. But God made Christ, who never sinned, to be at the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 24, Peter says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. He personally carried our sins. Jesus did. He carried our sins because he never sinned. But he carried our sins in his body on the cross. Before Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and they ate that fruit, like I said earlier before break, when they, when they ate of that fruit from the tree in the Garden of Eden, that God said, don't eat that tree, uh, that fruit of that tree. God knew they were going to eat that, that fruit from that tree. That he knew that they would disobey him, that they would sin. And he had a plan in place already before they ever sinned to redeem man from sin. And like I said a while ago, the very first thing God does was kill an animal. And he uses that animal skin to cover Adam and Eve in their nakedness. So he sacrificed an animal right there on the spot that day. And from that moment on, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds upon thousands of animals will be sacrificed for the sins of Israel. And then Jesus comes along and he, because those, no matter how much blood was shed by those animals, it could never wash away our sin. It could be millions, billions of gallons of, of blood that was uh, given up through those animals, but they could never wash away our sin. They covered them, and you know they would put the sins on the scapegoat and take the goat outside the city gates and turn the, the, the goat away and send him off into the wilderness. But Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus did on Calvary's cross was a once and for all sacrifice. We no longer have to, to, to sacrifice animals to God. Jesus was our sacrifice and His blood washes our sins away. And the Old Testament says as far as the east is from the west. If you're going east, you're always going east. If you're going west, you're always going west. They're not, they're not remembered against us anymore because that is if we are uh, following Jesus Christ, if we made Him our Lord and Savior, His blood washes our sins away. Christ was the final, the once and for all sacrifice. And Peter tells him, you're guilty of crucifying Jesus, but God has raised him up to sit him at his right hand, which is a place of authority, and he has made him both Lord and Christ, or Messiah. And verse 37 says that Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other, to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Or what should we do? This is an interesting question. What do we have to do? What do we do? You know, we're guilty. We're, we've heard this message. We, we see what's going on. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. We understand what you're saying. And we are guilty. What do we have to do? 
Well, I've heard over and over and over and over my entire life people say, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to be saved because Jesus has paid it all. Have you heard that? I'm sure you have. That's really not true. Salvation is a free gift from God, as people claim that it is, right? Jesus paid it, paid it all. You know, that's the song that we sing. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Yes, salvation is free to us, but it costs Jesus everything. It cost him his life, right? And so God gives offers us a free gift of salvation. But here's the thing. If I offered you a gift, I'll take my custom earbuds here. If I offered you my earbuds as a free gift, and you didn't know it was earbuds, and it was wrapped in some paper or something, what would you have to do as I handed you this free gift? You would have to reach out and take the gift. You have to... to receive the gift you would have to unwrap the gift and then you would if it's in a box you're going to have to open the box to see what that gift is there are some things that you have to do to receive my free gift i'm offering you the free gift but you have to reach out and take it you have to open it up just so you can see what the free gift is and, you know, a lot of times people don't like the free gift and they, you know, they, they regurgitate it. They, they recycle it and they, they, you know, they pass it on down the line. That's what we really need to do with Jesus. But we need to receive the gift that Jesus offers, salvation, and then we need to, to recycle it. We need to send it on down the line and, and tell others about Jesus. It's called bearing fruit, and that's what Jesus has commanded us to do. But my point is, the people ask the question, Brothers, what should we do? What do we need to do from, from what to, to correct the situation? You know, we're guilty. Then how do we not be guilty? And so Peter says in verses 38 through 40, he says, here's what you have to do. Good question. I'm glad you asked. Peter says to them, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, when he's talking about baptism here, he's talking about in water, being fully immersed. And, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But you can uh, do a study on baptism, and you will see that they, every time somebody was baptized, I mean, even in the Old Testament, they had baptisms, and, and they, they would, it was not a pouring, it was not a sprinkling. They literally went into a bath and was fully immersed and would come up out of the water. And there's all kinds of scriptures that support that. But Peter says, here's what you got to do. Repent. Each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you got to remember, he's talking to Jews here. Jews hated Jesus. They would not even mention the name of Jesus because they thought he was a blasphemer. They thought he was from the devil. And, and so he says, you got to repent of your sins and you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, this promise of salvation. If you repent and you be baptized, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This promise is for you. And he's talking about these, 
these um, people that he is speaking to right there on the spot. It's for you. It's for your children and all those who are far away. And here it is 2,000 years later. And we're far, far away from what's going on here in Acts chapter 2. But you know what? It still applies to us today. For the promises unto you, your children, all those who are far away, for as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And God is still calling people to salvation today. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and he kept on urging them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. People ask me all the time, Do I have to be baptized? Do I have to be baptized to, to, to go to heaven? What? Why? I just want to end with this, and 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 maybe someday on a different podcast we'll we'll talk about it deeper. Why do you want to argue with what the Bible says, men and brethren? What do we What do we got to do here? We know we're guilty, so what do we got to do to to right the wrong? Repent of your sins and be immersed into water, fully immersed, baptized in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow that all I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Mark 16, 15 and 16, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved. There's a conjunction word there between two ideas, the word and. The one who hears the message, the one who believes the message and obeys the message and has been baptized will be saved, but the one who has not believed will be condemned. Why? Because the one who believe, don't believe is not going to be baptized. So why argue about it? Why not just do what Peter said to do? Men and brethren, what do we got to do? Here's what you have to do. Repent and be baptized. Oh, I don't want to be baptized. I don't want to talk about it. I'm, what does baptism mean? Uh, do I have to be sprinkled? Do I, do I have to uh, have water poured on me? Uh, do I even have to be baptized? You don't have to be baptized. That, that, that's a symbol. That's not, that's not what Scripture teaches. And there, there's so many examples through the book of Acts, and we'll eventually get to them. But just about every one of the conversions after this point in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, we're baptized, immersed into water. And, and, and I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, uh, your loved one didn't go to heaven if, if they weren't baptized. I, that, that, that's not my place to say who goes to heaven and who does not go into heaven. That's God's place. But my place is to teach Scripture. And my place is to produce fruit. And when I see... The people ask a question, and I see a direct answer. I'm going to share what the question is, and I'm going to share what the answer is that is scriptural. And I just read to you exactly what Peter said, who was full of the power of God, the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. I share with you what Jesus said. Why, why discuss it? Why argue about it? Just do what they said to do. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive salvation and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit have you made that decision 
Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus? If not, I pray that you'll dig deeper into the Word and, and ask God to, to, to show you the truth and that you'll be obedient. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, all my life, been grinding all my life.